want you to take your Bible. You're going to take your copy of God's Word. We're going to go. We're going to preach about light from heaven. But we're going to go to Luke chapter 2. I want to call your attention to verse 10 and verse 11. Look what it says. It says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I want to take a little while today, and I want to talk to you about five things Christmas teaches us about God. Five things that Christmas teaches us about God. As I was reading this verse in Luke chapter 2, it says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. I remember when I was in Bible college, I had a homiletic class, and I did some research on the word all. I researched the word in Aramaic. I researched the word in Hebrew. I researched the word in Greek. And after doing this comprehensive study on the word all, this is what it means, all. Yes, yes. For all people, Christmas is for all people. So if, if Christmas is for all people, Christmas is for the Buddhist. Christmas is for the Muslims. It's for the agnostic. It's for the atheist. It's for the molester. It's for the murderer. It's for the adulterer. It's for the fornicator. It's for the addict. It's for all people. Jesus came for all people. Every race, every creed, every color. Because Christmas, ladies and gentlemen, according to the Scripture, he came for all people. People that have made a mess out of their lives, he came for. People that have been through several marriages, he came for. People that have been addicted to drugs, people that have been in prison, people that have been in jail, he came for all people. Now, there's five things I want you to see that I really believe that teaches us, teaches us this Christmas about God. The first thing I want you to see is this. God shines his goodness on all people. God shines his goodness on all people. Uh, one of my favorite preachers was a preacher by the name of Dr. Evie Hill. Evie Hill was already gone on to heaven. Uh, he, was a, he was a unique preacher. Now, I had a pastor at a church out in California. Most of you would not have wanted to go to Dr. Evie Hill's church. <laughs> he was a unique guy. Never, his church was never a massive, large church, and I think I know why. Because in the foyer of the church, Dr. Evie Hill printed the giving records of all of his members. <laughs> you know, when it comes to giving, some people stop at nothing. Amen? But anyway, he printed the giving records of all of his members. And, and Dr. Evie Hill had a deacon in his church. And that deacon would get up and he would want to testify. And he would get up and this is the testimony that deacon would give. That deacon would say, God am good. <laughs> God am good. And one day, Dr. E.V. Hill said, no, no, you don't need to say God am good. 
You need to say, God is good. That old deacon said, he sure am. He sure am. <laughs> well, let me tell you something, folks. God is good, and God shares his goodness on all people. Mrs. Johnson was a wonderful lady, and Bobby and Johnny went over to Mrs. Johnson's house, and Bobby and Johnny was just as mean as could be. And Mrs. Johnson gave Bobby and Johnny a cookie apiece. And Bobby looked over at Johnny, and he said, Johnny, Mrs. Johnson gave us these cookies because we're good. Johnny said, no, Bobby. She didn't give us these cookies because we're good. She gave us these cookies because she is good. See, folks, God is good based on who he is not who you are. God is good based on who he is, not who you are. See, there's a scripture that I quote a lot. It's Psalms 23 and 6. It says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And you know, sometimes folks will say, Since I became a Christian, since I became a Christian, God's been good to me. But no, no. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I want you to understand, God has been good to you your entire life. And God has been good to me my entire life. Because, ladies and gentlemen, God shines his goodness on all people. Look what Psalms 145 and 9 says. It says, the Lord is good to all. And his tender mercies are over all his works. See, most of us grew up in a performance-based society. If you clean your room, you get a snack. If you make good grades, you get rewarded. We grew up in a performance-based society and a performance-based culture. And see, I am convinced most people have confused this wonderful God that I'm trying to preach about today. Most people have confused this wonderful God that I'm preaching about today with Santa Claus. You say, what do you mean they've confused him with Santa Claus? Well, they believe that God is making a list and he's checking it twice and he's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Let me tell you something. That's Santa Claus. That's not God. God shines his goodness on all people. See, the Buddhists believe karma. You say, what are you talking about, the Buddhists believe karma? This is what the Buddhists believed. They believe if you're good, good things happen to you. But if you're bad, bad things happen to you. And if you're terrible, terrible things happen to you. And that's okay. That's okay, folks, until you have to bury a child. And then it don't make sense. That's okay until your mate's unfaithful. And then it don't make sense. That's okay until the doctor says you've got cancer. And then it don't make sense. That's okay 
until you have to file bankruptcy, and then it don't make sense. See, you're in a ditch, and Buddha walks by, and Buddha says, you're getting what you deserve, but you're in a ditch, and Jesus walks by, and Jesus says, let me get in the ditch with you. Let me get in the ditch with you. Let me get in the ditch with you. Not only do I want to get you in the ditch with you, but I want to lift your feet up out of this ditch. I want to lift you out of the miry clay, and I want to put your feet on a solid rock because God's goodness, ladies and gentlemen, it shines on all people. Now, let me tell you something else. God showers his love on all people. God showers his love on all people. See, God never made a person that he didn't love. You say, but pastor, I don't even love myself. God loves you. You say, my, my mom and dad, I'm not even convinced my mom and dad love me, Pastor, but, but God still loves you. <laughs> because God never made a person he didn't love. And folks, he showers, oh, he showers his love on us. Look what Psalms 145 and 9 says. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. I mean, folks, how many of you have ever been to a, a wedding shower? Wedding shower. How many of you have ever been to a baby shower? Yeah. Uh, how many of you this morning took a shower? <laughs> hey, folks, if the hand didn't go up there, you might want to move on down. Amen. I remember going to Guyana on a mission trip one time. I was in Guyana on a mission trip, and they said, you're going to stay in a hotel. And, oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. I just walked into the room and took my clothes and laid them on the bed and slept on my clothes the entire week I was there. I sleep on my clothes and put my clothes on. It was bad. And they said, in your room is a shower. Praise God. And I go into the room, and I turn it on, and I'm waiting. And about that time, a drop falls. Now, envision, no, don't envision that. But anyway, <laughs> and I wait a little longer, and another drop falls. I thought, that is not a shower. Oh, folks, somebody said, don't, Pastor, don't you, don't you, uh, you know, don't you like those shower heads that preserve water? No. <laughs> no, if I'm going to have a shower, I want a shower. And God showers us, ladies and gentlemen. He showers us with his love. Well, think about what this, folks. Psalm 68 and 19. Psalm 60. Get this, folks. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us down with benefits. 
Folks, now I'm talking about today. The Lord showers you down with benefits. See, folks, now get this down. God doesn't approve of everybody. He doesn't approve of everything you do. I'm not preaching that. I'm not preaching that you can do wrong and God says, okay, that's fine. Just go ahead and do it. No, no. He doesn't approve of when we disobey him. If you're a parent, no more than you approved of everything you, your child did. Hey, by the way, Barbara doesn't approve of everything I do. You don't approve of everything that your mate does. Call the counseling department. It's not me. It's not me. Listen. But here's what I know. God loves you. God loves you no matter what. God loves you no matter, no matter what you've done, no matter what you do. There's nothing you can make him, do to make him love you anymore and nothing you can do to make him love you any less. He showers you with his love. You know, I got to thinking about this. If you love something, it causes two words in your life. If you love something, think about this. It causes two words. The first word is attention. Attention. Whatever you love gets your attention. A man was watching the football game. He was just glued. And his wife said, honey... I think when I die, I want to be cremated. He said, wait just a minute. I'll get my hat and we'll go. <laughs> think about this, folks. I want you to read these verses in Psalms chapter 8 with me. When I consider the heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? God said, I can't get you off my mind. I can't get you off my mind. God said, he, he can't get us off his mind. Because whatever you love gets your attention, and God loves you, and you have God's attention. Do you ever think about this? Sometimes when we lose somebody special to us, we'll get a tattoo. We'll get a tattoo. The Greek word is sharagna. It's in the Bible, by the way. Shiragna. Tattoo. And we'll say, love you, miss you, and leave the name. Somebody that we love sometimes. Do you realize God has tattoos? God has tattoos with your name. You say, Pastor, I, man, I am learning something. Well, good. You needed to. All right. Look what Isaiah 49 says. Behold, I have graven or I have tattooed thee upon the palms of my hands. The walls are continually before me. Ladies and gentlemen, one day you're going to get to heaven if you know Christ and you won't have a scar. You're going to have a new glorified body. Oh. You need all the banana pudding you want, never gain a pound. 
You say, the Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't say you can't smart aleck. You need all the banana pudding. I've got the mic right now, amen? <laughs> got a brother rejoicing with me. <laughs> Listen, you're going to have a wonderful body and no scars. But let me tell you something. Jesus is going to be there. And he's going to have scars. They're going to be the tattoos in his hand as a constant reminder to every one of us that we had his attention and he took action and went to the cross and died for our sins. Oh, you can clap on that. God shines his goodness on all people. God showers his love on all people. But I want you to know something else. God shares the pain of all people. God feels the pain you feel this Christmas. God feels the pain you feel this Christmas. You say, Brother Benny, you, how, how do you know that? I'll tell you the reason why I know that. He made you in his image. He made you in his image. And God grieves and God hurts. And when you hurt, God hurts. And when you're in pain, God's in pain. And the reason why I know he shares your pain is because he made you in his image. There's a second reason why I know he shares your pain. It's because Jesus has been here. He wasn't born, ladies and gentlemen, in the Ritz Carlton. He didn't even get a Motel 6. He got a barn. It was a cave, and he was born in a manger, surrounded by animals, with the smell of livestock. His mother, there's where she gave birth to him. He knows what it is to struggle. Jesus knows what it's like to have people betray him. Jesus knows what it's like when people were unfaithful. He knows what it's like to be misunderstood. He knows what it's like to be criticized, to be lonely, fatigued. He knows what it's like when people are prejudiced toward him. He knows what it's like to be hurt. And ladies and gentlemen, according to Hebrews 4 and 15, he knows what you're going through. And he identifies. Why do I know that God feels our pain? Because we were made in his image. And Jesus was here just like us. Let me tell you something else. The Holy Spirit prays for you. You say, Pastor, the Holy Spirit prays for me? This is going to sound bad coming from your pastor. But I made up my mind years ago 
that if it wasn't going to be anything else, I was going to be real. I made up my mind that if I'm seated right there and I walk right here and I become a different person and my voice changes, something's wrong with that. Something's wrong, folks. He, he just talked normal. But then when he got up in that pulpit, I walked down the path to feed the calf. <laughs> What's wrong with just being who you are? What's wrong with just being who God made you to be? And listen, I've lived long enough as your pastor, and this may disappoint you, I have been so low, I couldn't pray for myself. I've been so low, I could not pray for myself. Hey, listen, I've been so low, I didn't want to pray. I've been so low, I didn't want to pray. And I didn't understand, but I understand now. Romans 8 and 26 says this, The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray as we ought. But the Spirit maketh intercession for us. You said, wait, wait, Brother Benny. The Holy Spirit's God and God's God. You mean God talks to himself? Sure he does. You do too. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, when we're so low that we don't know what to do, the Holy Spirit prays for us. You said, wait, Pastor, I've had tragedy. My heart's been torn out. Where is God? He's grieving with you. He's standing by you. And he's waiting for you to come to him so he can help you. And you'll never be any closer to God than you are when your heart's been broken. Because the Bible says in Psalms 34 and 18, he's so close, he's so near to those that are brokenhearted. There's a fourth thing I want you to know. God sacrificed his son for all people. God sacrificed his son for all people. See, I'm excited about the birth of the baby. But friend, the birth wouldn't save you. The birth's not enough. He lived 33 years sinless, and he went to a cross and he died on that cross for all people. When he went to that cross, ladies and gentlemen, they put nails through his hands and through his feet. They put nails through his hands and his feet. Those scars will still be there when we get to heaven. Most men on the cross actually died from suffocation. Because, see, when you were on the cross... The nails were through your hands and your feet. And you would push up to breathe. You'd push up so you could breathe. And if they really wanted, a crucifixion normally took two to three days before the individual died. But if they wanted to 
intensify and cause death to happen immediately, they would do something. While the person was on the cross, they would break the legs because that way they couldn't push up and they would immediately die of suffocation. Somebody sit on a hill far away, stood an old rugged cross. No, no, no. If you go to Israel with me, and I hope you can go sometime, he wasn't crucified on a hill far away. He was crucified at the bottom of the hill. Were men... Jesus was placed on the middle cross. Why was he placed on the middle cross, Pastor? Because the vilest of the criminals was placed on the middle cross. He was placed on the middle cross, and he was, he was only about 12 to 14 inches off the ground. Why was he only about 12 to 14 inches off the ground? So men could stand and urinate on him. And think about all he went through, ladies and gentlemen. But I want you to know something. I am convinced that the physical pain was nothing compared to what he went through mentally and emotionally. I wonder, since it's just us here, since it's just us today, I wonder how many of you have ever sinned? Yes. Yes. Uh, those that didn't raise their hands are habitual liars. <laughs> now, let me ask you. Right after you sinned, you remember how bad you felt when you're trying to cover it up? or what, Remember how bad it feels? Think about this. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says this. For he made him to be sin for us. While he was on that cross, every murder, every rape, every terrorist attack, every sin, was placed on him, and he felt the guilt, and he felt the shame of that sin. Why did he do it? He did it for you, and he did it for me. Because while the sin of the rapist and while the sin of the murderer was placed on him, my sin was placed on him too. Your sin was placed on him too. And God sacrificed his son for all people. Lastly, God will share his home with those who believe and receive Jesus. God will share his home with those who believe and receive Jesus. I want you to get two verses and we're almost done. He came unto his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, get that word receive, receive. You've got to receive the fact that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You've got to receive that fact that Jesus died for your sins. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You've got to receive the fact that Jesus died for your sins and then you've got to believe. You've got to believe and ask him to forgive you of your sins. There's a verse in the Bible. It's Romans 10 and 13. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
And you know, I wish I could just talk to everybody one-on-one. That's really what I try to do. For whosoever, all. He came for all people. See, this is what I know today. Some of you have been left out. In life, you've been left out. You say, Pastor, what what, what do you mean I've been, been left out? Well, some of you weren't attractive enough. Some of you didn't have enough ability. Some didn't have enough athleticism. And some wasn't musically inclined enough. And some didn't have enough money. And some didn't have enough education. And some of us was from the wrong family. And we were left out. But I want you to know something. God has included you. God has included you. Now I want to say something. I, I, I'm pretty much done. As pastor of this church for 28 years, as pastor of this church for 28 years, I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care who you are. But as pastor of this church for 28 years, I want you to know you're welcome. And I want you to know something else. Not only are you welcome here, but you're wanted here. Not only do I welcome you, but I want you here. And you said, Pastor, I hope that means something, folks. But let me tell you something far greater. God said, when it comes to his family, you're not only welcome, but you're wanted. You're wanted. You're wanted. I am convinced that Christmas shows us a lot about God. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me. 
if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin, and I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now. Because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.